I used to be competitive, not in a healthy way. I mean, it's good to be competitive to want to be the best, the best, the best, the best. But it's not healthy to be competitive and, you know, just feel that antagonistic to other people who are doing well or there isn't enough for you or you want to get it. And I absolutely used to be like that. It drives wives wicked. It makes such a golden brown pot. It must be lots of fun to be a mother. I've got something to apologize for. I wore my good suit because it was plain and neat. Afraid of not knowing what is proper? This yellow fluffo is such a short shortening. Hi, I'm Susan Osman, and this is Been There, Done That, a show about women who are shaping our world. They're not just striving, but thriving. Experienced, smart women who are redefining what it means to be a woman in the workplace. You know I can't work without a good breakfast. All right, class, stop typing, please. All right, class, stop typing, please. Well, this week, I talked to one of these women, Fiona Harold. She founded the London College of Massage. She's a best-selling author, business mentor, and has established herself as queen of life coaching. Clearly a force to be reckoned with, and she joins me now. Hi, Fiona. Hello, Susan. Hi, I'm delighted to be here. Well, it's lovely to have you on the show. Now, you you grew up in, in Northern Ireland, and I, I think, but, but judging by the amount of books and the experiences you've had, you've you've moved around a bit. Tell us about your your life growing up as a as a young girl and what it was like for you. Well, um, I grew up in the uh, in what's become known as the Troubles in Northern Ireland, probably the worst era of the Troubles. I grew up in the 70s. So it was a very, very intense time. And you know what it's like. If you don't have anything else to compare it to, you don't really think, gosh, this is terrible. I wish I was there. But at the same time, it gave me a great incentive to move on, if I'm honest, because at one point when I was about 11, I looked around and I just thought, gosh, I think there's probably another place for me and and it's not here. Well, was there anybody that you looked to? Did you have a mother or a grandmother or an aunt or a sibling that uh, was a mentor to you? Well, I mean, I suppose, truthfully, my dad was my my first coach and my first real mentor. Um, and to be fair to my mom, both my parents were real self-starters. They worked hard. They were both committed to bettering themselves and, you know, doing well in life. And they wanted their children to do better. But my dad was a self-improvement fanatic and he was a salesman and he was the country's best salesman in, in the Hoover company. So he was actually a salesman who knocked on doors. He was a door-to-door salesman. He sold washing machines and vacuum cleaners and all of that, believe it or not. And he was always listening and reading things like Dale Carnegie and Norman Vincent Peale. And um, he was always sharing the secrets of his success, you know, how to persuade people, how to have influence. I mean, he didn't use those words, but it was about selling. And, you know, the thing I really learned from him was don't try and sell anything unless you're sold on it yourself. So it was all to do with thinking positive. And one of the things that we would do is we would pick up hitchhikers in the days when people hitchhiked. And wherever they were going, we would just sort of say we were going that way too. And the whole point was for me to quiz that person and find out what their attitude was to to life, what their beliefs were. And then afterwards, we would have a chat about what was likely to occur as a result 
that's the thing I really learned growing up is your life is down to you. I, I love the fact that your dad said, don't sell anything that you don't believe in. So if you're in your profession, clearly you have to sell yourself. So you have to believe in yourself. So apart from your dad, who clearly gave you a ton of confidence, and it seems a very unconventional way of teaching his daughter to deal with people, how did you come about having indestructible self-belief, which of course is one of the titles of your books? I guess I only ever did what I was really enthusiastic about. And when you do what you're enthusiastic about, you bring an energy to what you're doing and you bring a confidence and a conviction. And people feed off that. People enjoy that conviction. I mean, they don't have to believe in what you're saying, but they have to believe you believe in what you're saying. So I I guess I'm a pretty passionate person which means if I really want to convey a message, I'll convey it with complete conviction and enthusiasm. And I guess I don't make it about me. I guess I make it about the impact of the words and the impact of the message. You know, Essie Lauder said something so smart many years ago. She said, you know, I've never gone a day in my life without selling. And if I believe in something, I sell it hard. And I think I'm a bit like that. And I think everyone should be a bit like that. So how did you get from listening to Hitchhikers with your dad to founding the London College of Massage? I mean, again, that was just enthusiasm. I sort of stepped away. I discarded all my dad's positive thinking ethos when I came to London, you know, as you do. You experiment with a different way of doing life and approaching life. And I became um, a sort of a political and social activist. So I was involved in all sorts of campaigns, the minor strike of 1984, Greenham Common, all of this stuff. And I guess I came to a point where I felt... Um, I say a little bit disillusioned with life and I'd come to take on a bit of a victim mentality in terms of I can't be happy until life has changed, until the government has changed, until the system is different. So at one point I got so fed up and exhausted. I thought to myself, you know, I can't continue living like this. I've got to change the way I think and the way I live. And I searched, and it was a little bit early for coaching. Coaching hadn't really emerged. I was really looking for a coach. I was looking for someone who would challenge me, who would snap their fingers and and, and really get me to, to, to think differently. And I couldn't find that person until eventually I did. Fabulous woman called Fiona Shaw not the actress, and she was based in London, and she was completely self-styled, self-taught, and she followed the teachings of Louise Hay and um, the whole sort of um, science of mind philosophy, you know, change your thoughts, change your life. So I, I thankfully found her, and I became a client. Now, she did what she called intuitive massage as well and self-esteem consulting. She had offices just off Tottenham Court Road. So after a while, she said to me, do you know what? I actually think you could be pretty good at this. I said, do you think so? She said, yeah. I mean, come on, you're obsessed with it, aren't you? I said, yeah, well, that's definitely true. (laughs) So 
she was my mentor. And amazing. Um, that's yeah. So I learned massage there. I got a formal qualification and I became her apprentice. And she passed on clients. And then I set up my own practice. I knew that I wanted to convey the message of how healing, empowering, useful what I was doing was. So I didn't have money to take out ads and magazines like my mentor did. So I got in touch with journalists and editors and magazines and newspapers, and I offered them, you know, the opportunity to come and try out what I was doing. And one person came and she seemed pretty happy. And I didn't hear anything more about it until one morning at about quarter past seven in the morning before mobile phones had been invented. And the phone rang downstairs in the living room. So, of course, at that time in the morning, you're thinking, well, somebody's died. So you're racing down the stairs to get the phone. And it was someone saying, oh, hello, is that Fiona? I'd like to book an appointment with you. And honestly, that day changed my life because the article had come out. She said, I'm calling from Leicester Square Tube Station, just on my way to work. And I think you're going to be really busy. So I thought I'd better call you quickly. So by the end of the day, four o'clock, I was still in my pajamas, I can tell you, answering the phone. And I was booked up for three months ahead. So that really changed everything. So you then went on to be uh, become a best-selling author and be your own life coach, Seven Rules of Success, Reinvent Yourself, 10-Minute Life Coach. Did you have any experience of writing or did you take your own advice and you kind of changed your thoughts, changed your life, that you believed in yourself, therefore you thought, well, I'm just going to write my thoughts down? I, I, communication is my thing. And the truth is I love words. And... Writing has always been something I've enjoyed and, and, you know, was pretty good at at school. And but at the same time, of course, I doubted myself. Um, I got a contract. Um, and what happened was I'd had a, a big feature in the Daily Telegraph newspaper and I had a couple of publishers contact me and they said, well, can you write? I said, of course. So when an opportunity comes, Susan, obviously you say yes. You worry about it afterwards. And they said, great. Well, can you write fast? Of course. So I got a really good deal, really good deal for a first-time author, five-figure deal. And I sat down to write it about a week later. Then that was the first book, Be Your Own Life Coach. And honestly, I was completely stuck. Not a word would come. And I thought to myself, I have just overstretched myself this time. I mean, for goodness sakes, who am I to do this? Yeah, like the is it the it's the imposter syndrome, isn't it? That a lot of women yeah. have. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. And honestly, I contemplated calling the editor and just saying, "Listen, I honestly think you should get somebody else for this. I don't think I'm the right person. It's not fair on you, all, all of that, right?" And then I remembered that I'd already spent half the advance, to be honest. <laughs> so that was just not an option. And then I remember what my dad had said. All those years before, sell it to yourself first. If you want to sell something, sell it to yourself first. And I, I thought about myself and I thought about what qualified me to write the book. How did I know about all of this? What gave me the right? And I took about 20 minutes, in all honesty, and I just listed out all the reasons, you know, obviously starting with growing up with a dad like that and, and being immersed in 
self-improvement from the age of nine and 10. Then I was able to write. I was able to give myself permission. What strikes me is very interesting about your journey to date, Fiona, is that you've always been ahead of the curve. So you founded the London College of Massage when massage 20, 30 years ago was not very common. And then you went on to do life coaching. And again, it wasn't that common. And in fact, that a lot of people even now might say, well, why do I need a coach to help me get on with my life? Surely we just do life. Uh, what would you say to them? Maybe in the 50s, men had a coach. And it was a wife at the time. It was that person who was waiting for them at the end of the day with a gin and tonic and a sympathetic ear, you know, but everybody's so busy these days. And the truth is, um, more and more coaches need to be mentors. They need to be people who can say, I can help you achieve certain things. These are things that I have done so I can help you do that better, faster, easier. Does there come a point, Fiona, when uh, the, the striving for self-improvement or the journey to perfection comes to an end and that we might border on narcissism or are we always, are we always stories in progress? Are we always needing to improve and strive, do you think? Well, I think it really depends on your motivation. Um, my motivation is to make the absolute most of my life and make the most of myself. And I feel like there's a lot more for me to do. And it's about living an exciting life. You know, when I step out a little bit and I, I do something that's a little bit of a challenge, like I did an event recently, a bit of a speakathon um, to a yes, US audience, and you had to speak and make an offer and sell in under four minutes. And as I was waiting for my turn, I was thinking to myself, God, why am I doing this? I'm just going to get off this right now. This is just, I don't need this. And the next minute, of course, I was introduced. And I had to do my four minutes. But I'll be honest, I came off the four minutes more alive, more alive. And I was so glad that I hadn't, you know, backed down. It's about feeling more alive. Uh, Tony Robbins, who you've probably come across, he says, if you find yourself saying you can't, then you must, which I, I think is a great uh, motivational phrase to keep up your yeah. sleeve when, when, you when you're Definitely. Now, along, on, along the way, Fiona, um, you're a, a business mentor as well, but I know you've concentrated uh, more recently on life coaching. You were at that time because you've been, you know, you, I, I said you were queen of life coaching and you've definitely earned the title of queen. But did you come across kings and princes you had to fight with along the way? And, and, and what was your experience of any male prejudice in, in the workplace? The truth is, the more comfortable you get with yourself, um, the less things like that matter. And, and actually, the less tension you bring to the table. I mean, I used to be, I used to be competitive. Not in a healthy way. I mean, it's good to be competitive to want to be the best, the best, the best, the best. But it's not healthy to be competitive and, you know, just feel that antagonistic to other people who are doing well or there isn't enough for you or you want to get it. Or, and I absolutely used to be like that. And that's a horrible feeling. You know, I used to turn up to events, huge events, when Be Your Own Life Coach came out, and I would feel so tense and so nervous. 
um, because I was doing it to myself because I was so concerned about um, creating a good impression and looking good. And that's a really horrible pressure that, that, you know, we sometimes put in ourselves. So I don't do that now. I don't do that now. It's much healthier to come from a place of focusing entirely on your contribution and the audience and what you're there for. So, so in your, your experience, Fiona, are there any gender crossovers when it comes to life coaching? Do you coach men differently from women? And are there, are there types of personality that are almost impossible to coach because they, they don't believe in themselves? Because what you're saying, that has to be the starting position. The person has to believe in themselves. Yeah. I mean, look, I can, I believe I can help anyone to believe in themselves. Not because I wave a magic wand, but because I show them what my dad showed me or what he taught me, which is you got to sell yourself to yourself first. Do you think men so, are better at selling themselves than women? Oh, 100%. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Why do you think that is? I think it's because, probably because men have been out there in the world hustling and making their way in the world. <laughs> and we're still pretty new to it. It's only a couple of generations ago when women were not allowed to work. My mom wasn't working to, until a certain point. And then she still had to get my dad's permission, signature, to, to take out higher purchase, to buy a heater or a car. So we're new to it. We're new to being out in the world. That's my simple interpretation of it. you cope when people say, actually, I don't want to listen to what you've got to say. I don't want you selling me something. I'll make my own mind up. And how do, how do, you, how do you go about selling to different types of audiences? Do you, do you do the same pitch or do you adjust it accordingly? Um, well, I totally agree with you, Susan. I mean, gosh, nobody wants to feel like they're being sold to. You know, Nobody wants a cheesy sales pitch. So the only reason that people buy from us is because they believe we can help them solve a particular problem. Um, so that's all I ever do is address the problem that people have, give my interpretation and my perspective on that, and then show them what I believe is the solution and how I can help. So we definitely do, British people definitely do have an issue around selling in a way that an American audience doesn't. So we have to be careful that, that, you know, we are connecting with people and staying firmly with our genuine desire to help them. You've been helping people for, for years, Fiona. I can't imagine how many hundreds, if not thousands of people you've helped through your books and your, your coaching and your, your, your mentoring. Is it possible for you to whittle down top three takeaways that we might have from you, from your experience about how we can improve ourselves and a uh, half indestructible self-belief. Yeah, absolutely. Well, the first one is you've got to sell yourself to yourself. So think about what it is that you want to do 
or be or have and then convince yourself, first of all, take the time to build that inner foundation of self-belief. Because if you're not convinced, nobody else will be. So do that inner work, first of all. Number two, nobody can see their blind spots. Nobody can see their blind spots. So if you really want to fuel yourself, get a great mentor who sees you, who gets you, and who can feed that sense of drive, ambition, and self-belief. And number three, connect to a higher purpose. Don't make it all about you. Make it about the impact of you. So you might want to, you know, if you have a spiritual or religious perspective, you might want to bring that into the equation. But either way, elevate what you're doing to a higher purpose, a higher impact, and, and, and not just coming from your own personal ambition. So when you say a higher purpose, you, you think you're saying about whatever talents and belief you have in yourself, use them to the, for the greater good, not just to perpetuate or feed your ego. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, 100%. And not just for your own personal profit. I mean, look, we all need to make money. There's no question about that. But put your emphasis on or at least see the impact of your message the impact that you want to make in the world, the difference that you want to make. And I also think it's really important to do something that is not for profit. Yeah. Well, however little time you have, take that time and apportion it or, you know, or raise money for a charity. But I also think it's very useful to, to use your talents and, you know, for a specific purpose. So where do you think women are in all this? I mean, because from what you're saying that men need less coaching to believe them to believe in themselves than women, how do you think women are faring in making a, an impact on the world? I think women are nurturers. I mean, we just are, um, whether that's because we always have been, whatever the reason is. So I think the more powerful, the more visible, the more effective women are in the world, frankly, the better that is. So I really encourage all women to step forward and take up their rightful place in the world. And, and self-belief is a big part of it. So I encourage women to get the right support around them, to feed themselves their sense of their own worth and take up their rightful place in the world to make that contribution that they want to make. So, Fiona, looking looking ahead uh, in your life, uh, how how would you see yourself in the next 10, 20 years? Doing the same thing, or do you would you pivot and do something else? No, this is me. This is who I am. So I just want to do it bigger, better, bigger, better, reach more people, um, do more not-for-profit work. Um, starting to work a lot with um, prisoners. Uh, people coming out of prison and helping them so they're not don't fall back into reoffending. Um, do a lot with animal charities, so I'd like to have more time to do more of that. But um, no, this is my mission to empower and support others to step forward and take up their rightful place in life. 
So what's your overall message to women listening to this, no matter what their age or their current circumstances, Fiona? It's to believe in yourself. If you have a desire within you, it's there for a reason. It's there to be brought out. If you have a drive, if you have a desire, if you have an ambition, that's not a coincidence. It's not an accident. It's not a mistake. It's in you because it's wanting to come out. And the most important thing is to bring that out in the world so that you live the life that you're meant to live. So you deserve to do that. And that's how you get to be happy. I don't think you can be truly happy unless you do that. And you see previous generations, like my, my grandmother and a little bit my mother, life was much more difficult for them, much more difficult for them. Now, we get to be out there taking up those places in life that are there for us. So don't hold yourself back. Don't get isolated. Get the support that you need. Get good people around you. Get somebody good to pull you forward every now and then. And, 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 and go for it. Absolutely live the life that you are meant to live. Fiona Harold, thank you so much. Uh, I can definitely say that you have been there, done that. And thank you for talking with me. Thank you, Susan. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Been There, Done That with me, Susan Osman. Visit us on btdtshow.com for more interviews with dynamic women. And I'd love to hear from you as well. So please leave us a review and subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts. These are words of respect. How can you tell when you're really in love? And look how flaky it is. The girls weigh each portion of food they select. The Been There, Done That show is brought to you by Dan Hall at Pup Media Consultancy. We can still have a lot of fun, can't we? Your manners are showing. I'm a princess. Mabel loves cooking and does it well. Overweight makes an individual undesirable. Lovely stockings. And you think that's all that matters?